13 pitchers, <laughs> three of whom are starters. They didn't do that. They went with the, or, or Jays fans travel really well, like annoyingly well, <laughs> especially <laughs> to the north. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's- That was the easiest question I've answered all year, Josh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 284 of Artificial Turf Wars, a very special intro to the playoffs episode. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the larger than life, Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it going? Oh, not too bad. How about you? Uh, well, the Blue Jays are in the playoffs, so I should say a slight bit better than if they were not. Um, the, the next, the next target is the Minnesota twins. And we have an interview with Brandon Warren of Lockdown Twins and Access Twins coming up, which will give us, uh, that, that very special inside scoop to the whole deal. Uh, so, uh, we also have some questions from you guys at this, this last late hour. But before that, Josh, where, where are we at? What are we thinking? Oh, well, obviously Brandon's going to give us a lowdown on the twins and <clears throat> he, Essentially, the Twins are a good team, right? The, I, I don't. There are a lot of fans clamoring to play the Twins. You know, I think the Rays might even been a better matchup. I, I, look, at this point, it doesn't really matter the matchup. You just got to play well. And there have been some encouraging signs from the Jays of late, and some less encouraging signs, right? So you know, we, we recorded obviously with two games left in the season. <laughs> you know, so, so there's not a lot to talk about from what we've seen. But Varsho hit another homer. Uh, his offense has really started to come around, uh, even though he hasn't been that great in September overall. If, the, if they're getting some power at the bottom of the order from him and Chapman, that's going to make a difference. And Schneider got in, got got to get in because they clinched early thanks to the Seattle loss. So he got to break his over 31, <laughs> belt hit another homer. And, and it got guys like Espinal in there and Merrifield, who has been just awful for about three months. His OPS is down to 700. Um, but he got to get in there. And these are guys that might be needed. Sorry, excuse me, in a postseason series. But the not so good was when, you know, when it's early in the season or even middle of the season, confusing manager decisions are somewhat forgivable because there's a long game they have to consider, right? Yeah. Yet in this game where they, if they win, they clinch. If they don't, the odds weren't great that they would get in. They were still good, but they well, actually they were great. But ninety percent, ninety five percent plus. But given the way that the actual pitching matchups lined up, it was easy to see Seattle winning two in a row, and Houston, of course, winning because they did. <laughs> um, you know, Luis Castillo just had a bad game, but Luis Castillo is awesome. So, but anyway, so the Jays wanted to win. Just even just to avoid Kevin Gossman having to pitch on the last game of the season, even if they were probably still going to get in. And yet, going into the fifth inning with a fully rested bullpen, they sent Trevor Richards back out for a second inning against the heart of the Rays order. And two batters later, the game was tied. They had a two-run lead, and then they didn't. And it's just the managing a game like it's game 101 when it was game 161 makes me a little worried for how it's going to go in the postseason because there's no world in which Trevor Richards should pitch two innings in a game you have to win. Yeah. Unless, you know, you can't win it or or you're way up. But when it's two runs, 
you get your inning and you take that to the bank and you go to Yimmy, Swanson, Hicks, Romano, uh, yeah, right, Chad Green. Like these guys are all much better than Trevor Richards, and they didn't do it, and they ended up losing the game in extra innings. Yeah, yeah. If you if you've got three outs from a guy who sometimes gives you more. This is not the time to play press your luck, especially when you have a, a bullpen that is just a firing line of rested good guys or great guys in some cases. So yeah, it, it is a little, a little strange. Um, but the, this is the manager that got us here. This is the manager that won. Uh, did they finish with 89 wins? Yep. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I see that the twins are, you know, on paper, a pretty similar team to the Blue Jays. Um, their strengths are the same. Um, and their, you know, their their weakness is, is hitting lefties. But that doesn't look like it's going to be a huge problem if, if they have a weakness. We will, you know, we'll talk to Brandon about that. Um, I don't know. I, I want to be excited. But the Blue Jays haven't won a playoff game since 2016. <laughs> So I think right now it's like, okay, just win a playoff game. <laughs> Try the that. Twins haven't won a playoff game since like 2005 or something. So Something's got to give. So something, <laughs> this, this series is going to go two games. That's all we can promise you. <laughs> someone's streak is going to end and someone's is going to keep going. Exactly. Teams don't need a third starter. So like we don't even, I don't know why we're even going to talk to Brandon about that, but it doesn't matter. Just the first two guys. Yeah. It's, but, it, yeah. it's why they anyway, call the wild so, card. Yeah, exactly. So we do have some understanding of how the Jays are going to put their roster together. There was some talk about whether they'd go with the big bullpen. I think we we talked about this in the last episode, the idea of having 13 pitchers, <laughs> three of whom are starters. They didn't do that. They went with, or, or they talked about how they're likely not to do it. They have to set their roster until tomorrow morning. We're recording this on Monday. But it sounds like Espinal, Schneider, and Cam Eden will all be there, and they'll probably just drop Ryu and well, and that, that's basically it because Jackson was sent. Obviously, the guy that they're they're who pitched that that last game, who's Wes Parsons, he's obviously not going to be there. So those two guys will be dropped, and the rest of the bullpen will stay as it is. Just remember how Wes Parsons get, got his ring if this all goes well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll be thrilled. I don't. <laughs> you, I won't care. No, obviously not. Um, I was going to say that the Blue Jays. I guess the the one thing that they do have going for them is, other than Danny Jansen's season-ending injury, they did get here with all hands on deck, essentially. Yeah, it was really fortunate that the only guys who aren't here. I got again, other than Jensen, because obviously he's big part and him not being here does hurt. But in a short series, it hurts less because Kirk can just catch every game. You know, like Tyler Heineman should never get into a game unless they're pinch running for Kirk late. Um, yeah, the only guys who aren't here are guys who were cut for performance reasons or for social media and performance <laughs> reasons. <Yeah. laughs> right. Now, that did happen this year, but. You know, they stayed remarkably healthy, and that's exactly what you want going into the postseason. Obviously, everyone's going to be a little nicked up or a little sore, but that's going to be the case for everybody who's still playing. So the Jays are in better shape than, for example, the Twins, who they don't know if they're starting shortstop or they're, 
now DH who but who played center field all year, or their starting third baseman. Like so, that's Buxton, Correa, and Royce Lewis. Not in order. Not but, in that order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But those three guys are really key guys for them. It sounds like Correa is going to be good to go, but Buxton and Lewis are still really question really question marks. And the Jays don't have that. I mean, their their key guys are all ready to go and healthy. Yeah, their question marks are, well, one was going to be Brandon Bell, and he came back and hit three homers in five games. Yeah, um, he's so I don't, don't think he has a timing problem, which was everybody's concern. Uh, and Jordan Romano. And I am not suggesting that the Jays can replace Jordan Romano, but the Jays have answers if Jordan Romano appears to not be, you know, uh, not have the velocity velocity in, in appearance when he actually comes out of the bullpen or if his back tightens up again. They have a Jordan Hicks. You just switch Jordans. And you've got a very uh, capable closer. Yeah, it was interesting. They used Romano in the eighth inning of that tie game and went to Hicks for the tenth or the ninth, and then the tenth. I don't know if that means anything. We we did talk about how they just needed to get Romano back in there, and he looked great. You know, throwing ninety nine with ninety one miles an hour slide, mile an hour sliders. If he's doing that, he's fine. He's your closer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but they can match them up, which is really good because Hicks. Well, Romano doesn't give a lot of home runs. But Hicks really, with especially since coming over here, with his that hard sinker, he he just doesn't give a lot of fly balls. So against big power threats, they can mix and match those two guys, which is really interesting. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it, after all that, it just comes down to, in my brain, you know, because it's a short series, you got to play the games. Um, yep. You got to play them all at Target Field, which I do not think myself is the biggest problem in the universe the jays have actually played pretty well at target field uh in the past as an organization but uh, again they they split the season series with the twins for what it's worth home and home uh, yeah they and they it, backwards right the jays won in in minnesota and lost in toronto yeah so anything could happen um yeah yeah so that's where we are a healthy toronto blue jays team matched up against a Similar, but maybe not 100% healthy twins team. Um, but that's but, playing really well. Yeah, but that's that was been on fire for the last month. So <laughs> uh, both offensively and defensively. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go talk to Brandon. He's going to break down the specifics of, uh, of who's hot, who's not, who's in, who's out. And then we're going to come back with a couple of questions from you guys. So we will be right back with Brandon after a short break. And it is our pleasure at Artificial Turf Wars to welcome for the first time Brandon Ward of Access Twins and Locked On Twins. Uh, the Twins are the only team that matters to the Toronto Blue Jays right now, Brandon. So we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> trust your authoritative voice on these things. Yikes, that's scary, but it's Isn't good it? to be here, so that's exciting. Um, so the Jays split the season series with the Twins, but that was much, much earlier in the season. So um, for those of us who have not uh, been watching the AL Central with bated breath, um, how much, like how relevant would those victories be considering the, the composition of the Twins uh, roster now versus earlier in the season? Yeah, things have changed quite a bit. The offense really picked things up in the second half to the point where, they had a better than 800 OPS in September. And the pitching staff has been good. Like, the starters have obviously been the money pitchers for the Twins this season. But to see the offense come around and the starting staff manage to semi-maintain that, that was the concern 
for most of the first part of the season was, yeah, the pitching is going great right now, but can they keep it up while they wait for the bats? And to some extent, they didn't because it was hard to sustain that pace. But in general, right now, they're a pretty well-oiled machine. And it's surprising because there's no guarantee that when the lineup comes out for Tuesday's game that Correa, Buxton, and Royce Lewis will be in it. And in fact, chances are Correa could be the only one. It's possible. I think I think Lewis is going to be in there. But um, it's just amazing how the Twins have played down the stretch, missing the guys they have with, uh, you know, other guys coming up big. It's It's been a whole lot of fun. So you, know, you talked about how this offense has been performing. Um, is part of that due to they, they seem to have a very balanced right and left roster, and especially they yep. seem to hit right-handed pitchers very well. Yep. Is, it, is that something that when you look at this matchup with the Jays, with Gaussman, and then it looks like it's probably going to be Bassett and Brios and not Kikuchi. Is that something that Twins fans should probably be happy about, given the way that the roster is made up? Yeah, generally speaking, I think so. Uh, the When the Twins were making overtures at the deadline for who they might add, there was a lot of chatter about a, a right-handed hitting or at least a lefty mashing hitter. And, you know, there was talk about Randall Gritchick, who obviously you guys would be familiar with, and a couple other players like that, Tommy Pham. And they ended up claiming Jordan Luplo, who, again, another player that uh, you guys would be familiar with. But oh, yeah. um, they they did not fare as well against lefties early in the season. At this point now, I kind of feel like they could go either way. It would be more about – sorry about the noise there. My little man's contributing. <laughs> um, at, at this point, I think it would be – you know, is Kikuchi a better "quote unquote" pitcher than Bassett or Barrios? I would I would think more about um, pitcher quality than I would handedness at this point because uh, you know the Twins have Kyle Farmer, they have Donovan Solano, they have a few guys who their calling cards are hitting lefties, so they're in a pretty good spot there. But um, you know, if I'm Toronto, I'm starting the three guys you mentioned: Barrios, Bassett, and then obviously Gaussman if there's three games because those are one, two, three for me without any question. So, given that, who who are we likely to see? And who should Jays fans probably be looking out for a little bit in that lineup? If obviously if Lewis is in there, it's Lewis. But if Correa, Lewis, and Buxton are not in there, the the big ones lately have been um, Edward Julian has been tremendous at the top of the order. Uh, native Canadian uh, went to Auburn. Uh, great great plate discipline. Defense has been a work in progress, but he's looked a lot better at second base in the last month or so. Um, Matt Walner is a Minnesota kid who looks like a baby giraffe, but he hits the absolute crap out of the ball and plays a decent corner outfield. And then Max Kepler actually has had an incredible second half turnaround. Offensively, those are the guys you look out for. Um, you know, everybody knows Correa, everybody knows Buxton. And for the most part, I think people are starting to learn how good Royce Lewis is or can be. But um, it's been a lot more of the twins kind of relying on guys like Michael A. Taylor, and I'm sorry if he's being too loud, guys. No, uh, it's all good. <laughs> Kyle Farmer, Donovan Solano, they they have a lot more veteran type, um, you know, guys that you want to go to war with. Guys in their 30s that have been there. And so they will they'll go into the postseason and not a lot of guys will have pre um, postseason time. But you'll have guys like Kent Maeda with tons of innings pitched in the postseason. And you'll have some hitters like Solano and those guys who've played in bigger spots. So it's weird because you wouldn't expect a team with all their big guys to have won the division. All their big guys have been out or hurt or bad. Um, the twins have made it work. And I, I think every year we kind of have a team we overlook 
And the last couple of years, the last few years, you had the Braves when they went crazy and won the World Series. Their regular season record wasn't that good. And you look at the same thing with the Phillies last year. Why not the Twins? And again, I know you're you're not doing a Twins show, so you don't really care about that. <laughs> but um, I'm over here saying, why not the Twins? You don't have to win 100 games and have four aces to win the World Series. You just have to come together at the right time. And I'm hopeful that maybe uh, that could be the case with the Twins this year. Um, speaking of aces, um, how does the twin side of the rotation line up? Um, do they have three guys who you're confident in um, to face off in this three-game series? I mean, I really like Sonny and Pablo. Uh, Joe Ryan, is he's been really hit or miss this year. He had a stretch in, like, uh, after the All-Star break where he really struggled, and then they found out he'd been dealing with a groin issue that he really didn't tell anybody about. And so he was giving up homers left and right. When he's right, though, he's a perfectly solid number three starter to start in the postseason. And then regardless of if he goes six, which doesn't really happen in the playoffs unless you're a stud. But um, otherwise, they have Bailey Ober, who had a really nice year, and Kent Maeda, who really came back strong from Tommy John. To work in either of those, uh, you know, if you have a, someone go three innings like a a three inning once around the lineup kind of thing. They've got options for pretty much any role you want to fill, whether it's a, a hybrid multi-inning reliever who can come at you and give you a different look. Uh, traditional bullpen guys like Juwan Duran, Griffin Jacks, and then their rotation. So I, I think they've got a little bit of that balance that you kind of look for. And um, I guess long story, even longer. Yeah, I like Joe Ryan as their number three, but they've got some options if they go another direction too. So it was all kind of up in the air uh, in the final weekend. There was a lot of, is it Seattle? Is it Texas? Is it Houston? Is it Toronto? Uh, jumbling, jumbling around for both division wins and for um, for seeding. Is this the matchup that the Twins wanted? Did they want to face the good, uh, good pitching, not very good uh, hitting Blue Jays out of all their options if, you know, where the chips fell? Um. I don't know that there was a preference because the Twins thought they had a preference in 2020 to face the Astros and then the Astros beat up on them. So I think they don't, we, we've kind of learned like not to really get ahead of ourselves. Not only that, but again, they haven't won a playoff game in almost 20 years. So part of it is like, how much do you want to really overthink it and just let what happens happens? But, um, you know, I think you look at the Astros and that was kind of who I thought it was going to be because of just how things lined up the last seven to 10 days of the season. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, here we go again with the Astros. Obviously, they don't have Carlos Correa anymore, and, you know, they're they're not who they used to be. But they still have enough pieces who can, can beat you in October. So I was like, eh, probably rather go with a team with a little less pedigree. So for me, it came down to Seattle and Toronto. And I think in some respects, those teams have uh, some things in common. You know, Seattle, the, the starters when, you know, when Luis Castillo is really rolling and George Kirby and all those guys um, – you know, I think more about their pitching staff than I do their offense. Whereas with Toronto, uh, that's kind of how I feel about them. But I'm surprised because I thought I'd really love the Toronto offense. But it looks as though um, power was not in ample supply this year. Yeah, funny. Well, we you thought just we spoke the minds of it. every Blue Jays fan. Yeah. yeah, we thought we'd love the Toronto offense too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just one, one quick one. When you're talking through and you're listening on those bullpen guys, I just have one quick question, even though we're going yeah. a little backwards. What was Chris Paddock when he came back? How did he look? Because obviously there's a there's a track record there, or, or a, even that might be the right word, a pedigree there that exists. So how did he look out of the bullpen? Can I say the word piss? <laughs> sure, go ahead. <laughs> he threw the piss out of the ball. He came back in rehab uh, with St. Paul, 
and hit like 98, 99 on the gun. And I mean, he hasn't done relieving in any meaningful fashion in the big leagues before this season. Uh, but it was just like, okay, well, they're not going to ramp him up to start after Tommy John and 16 months off or whatever it was. And uh, so it's like, okay, may as well try to make it an embarrassment of riches in the bullpen. And he looked – so his first outing back, his first inning was incredible. He stormed off the mound. He was charged up. And then the second inning, it was a little more turbulence. But at the end of the day, it was like, okay, there are some things to build on here. And then he had a day off and maybe another day off and then came out in the Rockies series. And, again, just looked phenomenal. And so between him and Varland and Maeda and Ober, I mean, they're going to lengthen out a, a bullpen that was, um, you know, more back heavy with Padan and Duran and Jax. It's going to give them a nice balance to where um, I do. I, I actually do feel good about this pitching staff in October for the first time. in, I mean, men of a certain age will probably remember the 2006 team with uh, Santana and before Liriano got hurt and all that. Um, it's been a long time since the Twins have had a pitching staff like this where it lined up in October. Uh, last question, kind of a kind of a multiple choice. Is is home field for all three games a, a little advantage or a big advantage for the Twins? It's a good question, but um, the Twins played a lot better on the road down the stretch. Again, you look at their schedule, and, I mean, they, they won in Colorado. That's not exactly, uh, <laughs> you know, something you're going to write home and tell them all about. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a, marginally big advantage it's not it's not the metronome the twins for whatever reason and you know um stadiums are what stadiums are but if you go into tampa you expect a fight even though you know the trop's not not state of the art in any way shape or form the twins did the same thing with the dome they just they gave you a fight no matter what the the acoustics everything the the uh lighting the, the roof Sorry, my little man's losing it. Um, he, uh, he, the, it was a lot more of a home field advantage at the Metrodome than it is at Target Field. But at the end of the day, who doesn't want to play at home, right? So I think, I think, um, I think they're in a good spot. But I don't think it's a huge advantage. I think it's just a pretty good advantage. And also, too, Jays fans travel really well, like annoyingly well, especially <laughs> to the north. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like every time they play the Twins, it's like they're on holiday or something because, um. You see all these Jays fans, and they get the the anthem, and there's lots of people standing up, and you know it's exciting and good to see. But it's like, what the heck? We should be <laughs> filling these seats, not you guys. Yeah, I was there in May. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, uh, exactly. your little man's no, telling no, us that we we might have overstayed our welcome in more ways than one. Uh, hey, <laughs> where can where can our, our our friends uh, of the podcast find you if they are looking for your stuff online? <laughs> Yeah, go to Locked On Twins wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, or at Access Twitter, at Locked On Twins on Twitter, and then Access Twins is my Substack where I post all of that and any other things that I come up with. Awesome. We thank you for your time, Brandon, and uh, may the best team win. <laughs> and thank you for your patience with the little man. You know what? I, I was hoping he would be pretty good, so I hope he uh, didn't give us too much trouble on the air here. We, we got yeah, we're good. We got two interviews for the price of one. <laughs> good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Have a good Thank night. Thank you so much. Take care. Talk to you guys. What you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, well, you might find you get what you need. And we are back. And if we're, if we're not up to date now, I don't know when we are up to date. Uh, but you know who's not up to date with all of our answers to their extremely burning questions? our lovely listeners. 
And uh, there is nothing more that I, that I want to do than show them the respect that those questions are due. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Minor Leaguer at Minor underscore Leaguer has an excellent question, Josh, that I am, I am eager to answer. Um, who are your favorite players who have played significant time with both the Blue Jays and the Twins? And you can define significant. Well, since it's your favorite question, why don't you go first? It's Paul Molitor. That was going to be my answer, too. Well, that took, that was anticlimactic. Well, I mean, Aaron I don't... Sanchez. Aaron Sanchez? <laughs> I thought Josh Donaldson would be your second answer. No, no, it's Molitor. No. I mean, Winfield, another guy who played for both. And yeah. Jack Morris, I hate, screw Jack Morris, because as an eight-year-old, he wouldn't sign my autograph. Well, Jack Morris had a lot of other things not going for him. If you watched Captain Ahab, the Dave Steve documentary by John Bois, which is very excellent, four parts of just just gripping stuff about the most overlooked pitcher of the 1980s, Dave Steve. Yeah. I don't know why I just pitched that. Because it was so good. That's why I just pitched yeah. that. It was not Frank Viola appeared for the Jays at the very end of his career after starring for the Twins. Still not the answer. Yeah, no. so, I mean, my answer is Molitor. Yeah. I loved Paul Molitor. I really did. Me too. He was just so good. So good at, 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 as a DH. Um, in a different way than a lot of the other Blue Jays DHs had been. Um, yeah, he, he never seemed to slow down. That was, that was my favorite bit. It was like every year he put up these incredible numbers. And he was a million years old. Still the oldest player to steal at least 20 bases in a season without getting caught. Went 20 That's and 0 in 1994 wild. as a 37-year-old. That's wild. Just wild. Yep. So thank you, Mr. Molitor, for uh, for sticking around in Toronto as long as you did. It was super cool. Uh, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6 asks us, will you be listening to K and A-Rod on ESPN or Dan and Buck on Sportsnet? Well, I won't be listening on the radio, so it will not be K and A-Rod. That's out the window in- immediately. I'll be watching the Sportsnet broadcast. I love those. I, I-, I love being able to hear excitement about the Blue Jays. I mean, I, I've seen people say that they won't watch that one. They'll watch the, whatever the U.S. broadcast is. I don't even know who holds the rights for this for this round, but... It says they, ESPN they, on the broadcast. Wait, so K is, is doing the ESPN TV broadcast? Uh, I think he is uh, I okay, wouldn't think anyway. Colleen's wrong <laughs> no, no no I mean yeah well she said yeah. listening to so I wasn't really ah. but uh because Kay's usually a, TV, a radio guy but um anyway regardless if he's the TV guy the reason that some people like to watch the other broadcast is because it makes it feel special because you get these people calling a Blue Jays game I get it not for me I'll watch Dan and Buck um, I think you get a pass on that because Buck calls so many of the other playoff series uh, for the I national meant, broadcasters. We're right. so, it's just like there's yeah. no homerism to it. It's just like a neutral, theoretically neutral audience. I prefer Dan and Buck so much more than, than um, well, I prefer Dan Shulman so much more than just about anybody on, on TV right now. Uh, that I would probably watch Showman regardless. But he and Buck genuinely have good chemistry. Yes, and, they do. And a good back and forth. A thing that Tabler never quite got in sync with 
Shulman at all, and certainly Buck and Tabler were a problem. So I'm actually, I don't know if you've noticed our complaints about the broadcast quality have gone away over the past year, but there's a reason for that. I think is because it's a better broadcast with Dan Shulman as, as the announcer. And, and I have no problem continuing to, uh, to listen to those guys if I'm going to listen to anybody. Uh, yeah. And then uh, our last question is uh, from Is That Nasty Nate at Tim the Tuna 69 Sure. Yeah. Uh, do you have a tip jar to say thanks? Uh, you know, our tip jar is located at uh, www.patreon.com slash turfpot, uh, where for only a uh, dollar American, you can do the Canadian conversion, I believe, uh, you can say thanks with a monthly subscription to our Patreon, which we would uh, obviously be super thankful for. Uh, thanks to all of our patrons who have supported this podcast for a very long time, including the previous question asker, who is like a Hall of Fame patron, uh, Colleen Evans. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely deserves a special shout out. Absolutely. That was the easiest question I've answered all year, Josh. <laughs> I know. Our tip jar will not be used to send us to a different city or anything of the like. It's just, that's just a patron oh, say thanks was 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 that a uh was that a, a cut at a certain twitter personality who i'm not gonna name on this podcast i'm assuming yes <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness all right josh is i i offer you the final thought opportunity before the blue jays throw down in minnesota yeah so as we were recording this they announced that barrios is going to be the game two starter which means bassett will be game three which to me means the Big weapon out of the bullpen is going to be Yusei Kikuchi because, well, as we talked about Brandon, like they, they when I asked him to when I asked him to list their best hitters, all of them were lefties. <laughs> I think he said Walner, Julian, and Kepler, lefty, 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 and he listed some righties off the bench. Well, Kikuchi is your lefty who can get righties out as a starting pitcher. I think he's going to be have to be used judiciously. I, I, I if he can use him twice out of the three games just to neutralize key threats in that lineup because this, the twins crush righties. That That's just something they've been doing all season. So three righty starters, but you have your lefty multi-inning pitcher in the bullpen, use them. And a lefty multi-inning pitcher who uh, has an ERA under four uh, and really doesn't walk people like he used to. <laughs> He's, yeah. He, valuable things to have when you're bringing someone in the middle of a game um, and possibly with runners on base. Uh, if, if things have gone a little bit sideways, maybe you say Kikuchi can bow you out, uh, bail you out. Ugh. Marbles. <laughs> they taste great. Going, going out strong. Less filling. <laughs> um, I will, I will pass on the final thought here. Um, it was, uh, it was what it was. I, I can't say I was, I was thrilled about the way that the season ended, uh, but it's over and the Blue Jays are in the playoffs, so I shan't complain. Which is to say uh, that you are Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and I am Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 284, special pre-playoff edition. And we will talk at you... Well, definitely next week, maybe when the Blue Jays are in the thick of things still.